Welcome to the Live to 110 podcast. My name is Wendy Myers, and you can find me on LiveTo110.com. And you can find this video podcast, a recording of the video that, uh, of our talk today, on my YouTube channel, Wendy Live to 110, and on the blog post on LiveTo110.com. Today, we are interviewing Dr. Scott Scher. I met him at the Bulletproof Biohackers Conference, and he is a doctor that specializes in hyperbaric oxygen chamber therapy. So we're going to be talking about the many benefits of this therapy and how you can incorporate it into your health regime, even just for uh, in, in, you know achieving optimum health and for anti-aging purposes. That's what I'm going to be using it for. <laughs> Uh, so first we have to do the disclaimer. Please keep in mind that this program is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease or health condition and is not a substitute for professional medical advice. The Live to 110 podcast is solely informational in nature, so please consult your healthcare practitioner before engaging in any treatment that we suggest today on the show. And so uh, I had a very lively conversation with Dr. Scott Scher when we were at the Bulletproof Biohackers Conference, and I was lucky enough to be able to try uh, uh, HBOT therapy. Uh, they had There was actually another stall, another company that was uh, uh, demonstrating uh, HBOT, mm-hmm. and so everyone at the conference was able to you know, try out about 10, 15-minute session of hyperbaric oxygen uh, therapy, and uh, it, it was interesting. And I, I think I had an ear infection at the time because I felt a lot of pressure in my right ear. Interesting. Um, yeah, but I was, I was happy. I, it cleared it up. I think it cleared up the infection. My daughter was sick that weekend, so I think I was sure. trying to get it. And yeah. uh, it cleared it up, I believe. Cool. Um, so, so Dr. Cher is a board-certified internal medicine physician with additional certification in hyperbaric medicine. He graduated summa cum laude from UCLA and as an undergraduate and... Go Bruins. Yes. <laughs> and he also graduated magna cum laude from the University of America. You're not doing that great, so... Huh? You're not doing that great, so... <laughs> <laughs> no. And he, he also graduated from... Actually, I don't follow football, so I have no idea. <laughs> that was an auto, okay. autoresponder. <laughs> yeah, and he also graduated magna cum laude from the University of Maryland School of Medicine in Baltimore, Maryland. Dr. Scher is a member of the Undersea and Hyperbaric Medical Society, as well as the Society of Hospitalist Medicine. He lives with his wife and two young daughters in San Francisco. So, Dr. Scher, thanks for coming on the show. Wednesday, Wendy, thanks, thanks so much for having me today. I'm really excited to be here. Um, and yeah, the Bulletproof Conference was great. Um, I really enjoyed <clears throat> having that group next to me because the patients could actually, or everybody, you know, nobody's a patient. Everybody, well, everybody's a patient, I guess, right? Yeah. But, um, but, you know, you guys could check it out. You can see what being in a, at least a, one type of hyperbaric chamber was all about. Yes. And got to meet a lot of great people, including yourself and and uh, you know Dave Asprey, who's the, uh, the Bulletproof guy, and a bunch of other great people, great speakers, and uh, some people that I've spoken to over many years and finally got to meet in person, which was great. Yeah, me too. I was so happy to meet him in person. He's come on my podcast and I've gone on his, which is just, I think it just recently came out. And uh, it was just such an amazing group of people um, Mm -hmm. all converging to try to improve their health. I I was, I loved it. It was right right up my alley. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Well, so why don't you tell us your story? How did you uh, get so involved in hyperbaric oxygen therapy? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, it, it started off, I think, really in medical school. Um, I trained in Baltimore, as you mentioned, and in Baltimore, there's a really big trauma center there. Um, and 
and down in the basement of the trauma center was this gigantic chamber. And I had no idea what it first was when I saw it. It looks like sort of, you know, sort of like 1984-ish or something crazy. It's like this gigantic chamber. And But then I, I realized this is a hyperbaric oxygen chamber. And they were putting people in these chambers uh, for any number of conditions uh, from a trauma perspective, um, uh, including like limb amputation, um, uh, carbon monoxide poisoning, um, and uh, necrotizing fasciitis or uh, an infection that's also called flesh-eating bacteria. And these guys were getting so much better. And I was just amazed that it was all they were really getting was oxygen under pressure. Um, and, you know, one of my goals always going to medical school was to try to figure out a way where I could sort of meld, you know, the sort of allopathic view of medicine, which is, you know, Western medicine with what is sort of, you know, there's so many terms for it, but integrative, alternative, all those types of medicines together, you know. And what I realized when I was watching these guys go through hyperbarics, I'm like, well, why aren't we using oxygen for other conditions? You know, and then I was, I did my research and I was like, well, wow. And, and all over the world, they're using it for so many other different types of conditions, um, more so than we're even using it in this, in this country. That's how I got so interested in it. And that's how sort of my, my, uh, my practice started. Really. I, I got certified in hyperbaric therapy when I was actually still in medical school. And, um, when I came out to California where I live now, I found a, a place that was looking for a medical director and I, I jumped right at it. And the way I sort of practice hyperbaric therapy is I use hyperbaric therapy in an integrative way. It's not just about the chambers. It's not just about the oxygen and the pressure. But it's also about sort of treating the person, right? Treating them as an integrated human being, both, you know, sort of alternatively as well as from an allopathic or, you know, Western medical perspective as well, depending on what the condition is. So, Yeah. Yeah. So why don't you tell the listeners exactly what HBOT is? Sure. Um, so hyperbaric oxygen therapy, the definition, if you're going to look it up, is... It's the intermittent administration of 100% oxygen at greater than atmospheric pressure. So let me break that down for you a little bit. So now I'm sure some of your listeners are probably divers, right? Um, I think you're a diver too. Yeah, I am too. (laughs) So hyperbaric oxygen therapy really comes from diving medicine, okay? Um, It used to be called just diving medicine for a long time, actually. And it sort of got its start when you were building, uh, when people in the 1880s, um, early 1900s, were building bridges, actually. And what they had to do is they were sinking these guys deep underneath the water uh, to build these bridges. And compressed air or hyperbaric air had actually has actually been around since the 1660s. Um, what they used to do is they compress the air, put it in these chambers, and these guys would sink down to the bottom of the ocean and dig out these, you know, bedrock to get the, these bridges to, to be stable. Um, the Brooklyn Bridge is one of the most famous examples. And these guys would have to be down there for long periods of time. And then they would come up these tubes, sort of like elevator shafts. And if they came up too quickly, uh, they'd get these severe symptoms. They would get neurologic symptoms, symptoms like seizures, strokes, even paralysis, death. Um, it was really described back in the 1880s as decompression illness. That time it was called the bends. People were kind of bent over a little bit and and they just, it's just severe muscle pains and things like that. So that's really where hyperbaric oxygen therapy really came into play because the Navy started diving, right? So the Navy back in the 1900s uh, started, you know, having sort of like the technology to dive and they were looking for ways to, you know, prevent decompression illness is what it was starting to be called. They were and developing the Navy SEAL program. <laughs> exactly. Actually developing the SEAL program back in like the 1920s and 30s. Yeah. It's actually, that's the time when they actually figured out a way to compress oxygen as well, not just air. And that really was the huge sort of like leap of technology that allowed um, hyperbaric oxygen therapy to come into play for decompression illness because, 
you had these guys uh, you know, coming up too fast, getting these really bad symptoms. You put them back in a hyperbaric chamber with 100% oxygen and their symptoms went away, right? And divers know about this as well. I mean, usually in a lot of big dive areas around the world, the Channel Islands in uh, Southern California, there are hyperbaric chambers right there. You know, they're yeah. there just in case people do have these symptoms. Yeah, I learned that. I got certified when I was, you know, 12, 13 years old and, um, you know, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, I uh, learned all about hyperbaric oxygen therapy and uh, thought right. it was really interesting. And it's it's nice to see it being used more often now as a medical treatment. Oh, absolutely. And so let me go back to the definition because I always get sidetracked talking about history. I was actually a history major in college, so <laughs> I love history. History and psychobiology, by the yeah. way. So I had some science background too. But um, anyway, so when we're diving, right, when we're on the sea, at sea level, that's called one atmosphere of pressure or basically no pressure, but we call it one ATA. That's just the terminology, okay? So if you're 33 feet below the sea, sea you're actually at two ATA, okay? And that's 33 feet of seawater on top of you, right? So all that water is exerting a pressure on your lungs. You don't really feel it because you're sort of weightless in the water, but that all that water is exerting a pressure, Okay. So, and then we can go down as far as some chambers go down to six ATA. So you can do the math. I can't do it on the top of my head, but it can go pretty far down. And we usually don't go that far down in hyperbaric chambers, unless actually it's in decompression illness, depending on how far people had, had, have dove down. But regardless, um, what we're doing in the chambers really is really just simulating that pressure. Okay. You don't feel like you're underwater <laughs> by any means. All you really feel is that pressure sensation in your ear ears when you're going down underneath the surface, like you were going to go down under with a train or in a plane, you feel that sort of popping sensation. You need to be able to pop your ears. That's probably why you felt a little bit of pressure in your ear when you were diving at the conference, uh, Wendy. Um, and as long as you can do that, as long as you can, you know, pressurize your ears, it's, that's the only thing that you feel. Okay. So now we're underneath water or we're under pressure, right? And the other thing we're doing is giving hundred percent oxygen. Okay. Now that oxygen um, is not only saturating our red blood cells, but it's also saturating what's called the plasma or the liquid of our blood. Okay. So normal people like you and me that don't have any lung disease, our oxygen uh, that we breathe in the air is, you know, is actually sufficing in our, in our red blood cells enough oxygen to circulate. And, and if you had a pulse ox on your finger, which is what we use a lot of times to sort of measure patients' oxygen saturation, usually it's about 96 to hundred percent. Okay. So if I get this question a lot, well, why doc couldn't I just use like a nasal cannula and get myself oxygen that way? And the reason for that is that you only have like maybe about 4% of those oxygen binding sites on the red blood cells where you can actually carry oxygen any more than you already are. Maybe, um, you know, for a normal person, right? But if you use pressure, now using the pressure, it's basically putting pressure on the oxygen gas. And by doing putting, by putting pressure on the oxygen gas, you're actually increasing the amount you're actually sort of putting into the liquid of our blood, not the red blood cells. We can get so much oxygen into the plasma or the liquid of our blood. We actually don't even need red blood cells if we get down to below three atmospheres of pressure. Now, I don't recommend that. <laughs> but one of the indications for hyperbaric therapy is actually severe anemia or severe blood loss. And because you can put somebody down at this, you know, this low pressure or this deep pressure um, where they don't actually need the red blood cells to be circulating, you know, to get oxygen to their tissues. So it's, it's pretty phenomenal how much oxygen we can get, you know, into, into saturation. And that's where, where all the sort of like the catalytic reactions occur is really that oxygen saturation in the plasma. And so does that uh, cause a kind of, um, you know, it's, it's like an antioxidant. It, it starts destroying free radicals in your body, et cetera. Can you explain that a little bit about how sure. the benefits yeah. of doing that? 
Yeah, sure. The mechanism of hyperbaric oxygen therapy is is sort of what you're leading to right here. So, you know, when we're doing, when we're getting all that oxygen in our body, what is it doing? Really what it's doing is modulating our DNA. Um, it's changing gene expression and it's increasing genes or sort of promoting genes that are, um, that are responsible for growth and repair and decreasing inflammation and also promote and sort of down-regulating or decreasing genes that are responsible for inflammation and responsible for programmed cell death, Okay. Not only is it doing that, it's also the direct effect of oxygen on tissue. So, for instance, if you have acutely hypoxic or the lack of blood flow to an area, right, acutely hypoxic tissue, if you have hyperbaric conditions there, you're preventing this cascade of reaction that happens to that tissue, like breakdown, swelling, inflammation, uh, because there's oxygen that's it's a, it's a oxygen deprivation. So oxygen is, has a direct effect on that tissue in the acute sort of you know, hypoxic uh, event as well. And we've seen that in, in, in studies now in patients with acute heart attacks, actually, and some indications in acute strokes, too. If you get them into a chamber right away, you can prevent all this muscle or tissue death in the brain, which is pretty impressive stuff, yeah. right? So the, down, so the downstream of all this gene expression changes include a lot of things. One of them is angiogenesis, which is the increasing in blood vessel formation. That's extremely important in areas that have a lack of blood flow. Um, and another, there's so many others, but a, a couple others that are sort of prominent, um, it increases oxygen tension into the tissue itself, right? So it actually can diffuse further into tissue, which is uh, just about four times as far, which, you know, we're talking on sort of a cellular level here. That's a pretty huge distance. Okay. Um, also talking about, um, vasoconstriction and that's really important. So we're talking about vessels getting smaller. Right. And that's really important, especially if a vessel has been injured because a vessel has been injured, all the sort of the liquid, all the blood sort of starts pouring out of it. Right. And it causes swelling. And if you can, you can imagine if that swelling's in your brain, that could be bad. Right. So hyperbaric oxygen therapy, what it's doing is decreasing swelling, decreasing all that stuff getting out of a vessel. Okay. And even though it's doing that, even though it's decreasing the size of the vessel, it's actually still um, the net is actually that you're increasing the amount of oxygen that's getting to tissue because you've su supersaturated that plasma with oxygen, right? Yeah. It also causes a decrease in inflammation by itself. It's actually as powerful as steroids are, at least in some studies. You know, steroids in, in, in Western medicine are sort of the cure-all for inflammation, right? Hyperbaric yeah. oxygen therapy is sort of as effective as steroids, at least in studies. So pretty powerful stuff, you know? And uh, people don't realize they inject steroids that are destroying the bones, that are breaking oh, totally. down the bones surrounding the injection site. Right. So steroids, you know, there's lots of side effects for steroids. I mean, they do work in some settings when you need them. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, long term, definitely, if you can do it in a natural way, I mean, that's what we should be trying to do, right? Yeah. That's our aim. So some other things that hyperbaric oxygen therapy does, and you, you spoke about bone, hyperbaric oxygen therapy sort of improves wound healing in every sort of capacity. The most, I think the most uh, important capacity is that it sort of, it proliferates, it sort of stimulates the pro proliferation of cells that are responsible for healing. Fibroblasts, which are connective tissue cells, chondroblasts, which are uh, collagen stimulating cells, osteoblasts, which are the bone stimulating cells. Yeah, I, I need so, some more chondrocytes. <laughs> we all do. Definitely want some more of those. <laughs> Once we get to be about 30 years old, we all need more chondrocytes, yeah. right? Uh, we all need, um, you know, osteoblasts are important too, especially, you know, women, uh, you know, osteoporosis is a big deal. Um, you know, and, and the idea is that the, our, what hyperbaric oxygen therapy is doing is really promoting the, you know, you know the, the healing process by allowing these cells to proliferate. And it's doing that also by actually, you know, increasing stem cell production too, and making those stem cells go to the areas of injury, which is really, really cool stuff. Um, 
So um, other things that we're doing here include um, uh, what else we have? Oh, so uh, mitochondrial uh, enhancement. Oh, so yes. hyperbaric oxygen therapy is is huge um, because what we're doing is we're increasing oxygen delivery to cells, right? Hyperbaric oxygen therapy is delivering to, uh, oxygen to cells. Mitochondria, mitochondria are taking this oxygen and making ATP, which is energy, right? Yeah. This is the energy that makes us alive. It makes our cells alive. And this is so important. And we're actually, you know, we're seeing this more and more in, in actually imaging studies that we're doing in hyperbaric patients to see, like, especially in stroke patients um, that have had brain injuries or have, you know, have had tissue death. You can see around that area of, of injury is also this area that's sort of hibernating, not working uh, to the maximum capacity. You know, as a result of that, you know, that tissue is just not working. Like you, you know, a lot of it, we think a lot of the neurologic injury is because that tissue is not working at max capacity. You give it hyperbaric oxygen therapy, you, you give that tissue oxygen, you rev up the mitochondria, those cells can regenerate themselves. And we can see that on imaging, which is really, really cool. And isn't so, it difficult to get oxygen into the mitochondria? I mean, I know for solve that problem for me, I've been sleeping on a magnetic sleeping pad because that oxygen mitochondria kind of work by paramagnetism. And that will suck the oxygen into the uh, the mitochondria, but that's now with the HBOT, or I guess you're forcing it into the mitochondria. Right. I mean, the way we're doing that is really because we're just massively enhancing blood flow to the area, right? So it's the blood flow that's sort of diffusing oxygen into tissues. Um, so that's really what we're doing here. But yeah, I mean, those are different ways that you know. There's lots of different ways to sort of enhance mitochondrial function. Um, Hyperbaric oxygen therapy just seems to be one of the most powerful, right? Because really, it's about blood flow. The more blood flow you can get to an area, the more oxygen can diffuse out of that blood into the tissue, and the further it can diffuse okay. into so, tissue to cells. Yeah. So, why don't we talk a little bit about the health conditions that can be uh, treated and improved with uh, HBOT? Yeah. So there's so there. I like to kind of break this down into two main categories, right? So we have. Uh, those um, those things that hyperbaric oxygen therapy sort of been approved for in the sense that it's covered by insurance. And then there's a large proportion of things that uh, what we call investigational or sort of off-label um, that are, um, that are there's a lot of data behind. And then um, some of them are coming down the pipe being, are going to be covered soon. Um, a, lot of, a lot of this has to do with politics, unfortunately. Um, but there's a significant amount of improvement in a lot of other conditions. So the sort of the, the insurance covered indications or the FDA approved indications for hyperbarics, um, there is a lot of them. But the ones that we can we treat most commonly um, are diabetic foot wounds, diabetic foot ulcers. So patients that have these wounds and uh, and they're diabetics that are just non-healing, right? Um, hyperbaric oxygen therapy is extremely extremely effective in improving uh, the circulation in the blood, like as, as I mentioned. Um, so what we can do is really heal these wounds. We prevent patients from getting their their feet, their toes, their legs chopped off all the time. You know, it's it's pretty impressive. Um, and uh, we're becoming more and more utilized, and I think that's great. Um, when patients come and see me, they a lot of times they've already gotten one or two toes cut off, unfortunately. And I saved that third toe, and they're like, well, why didn't I know about this before, <laughs> you know? And I think, you know, we need to get that out there. I think the education needs to be out there, not only for, you know, for patients themselves, but for podiatrists and for vascular surgeons and that's one of the things that I work on is I was trying to get that education out there. Yeah. So that's diabetes and diabetic foot ulcers. There's also a main category, probably the main, the main category other than diabetes is radiation injury. Okay. And when I talk about radiation injury, I'm talking about patients that have gotten radiation 
therapy for cancer mostly. Okay, uh, these patients unfortunately get can get significant radiation uh, injuries related to the cancer therapy. They may have no more cancer, hopefully, but they also can have significant radiation injury that can cause lifelong disability. Yeah, my grandmother, uh, case in point, she had radiation on her breast, and they completely burned her muscle to the point where they had to remove her chest muscle. Oh my goodness! Yeah, so. Um, unfortunately, I, I think that's not a, an uncommon scenario. Right. I mean, they've gotten a lot better at radiation therapy, um, you know, probably since your grandmother got radiated. But, uh, but still, there's still a pretty significant complication rate. It depends on who you ask, right? You know, the complication rate is somewhere between probably 5 and about 20%, depending on where we're talking about. Uh, probably one of the most uh, sensitive areas that you can imagine to radiation would be your brain, right? Mm-hmm. So... Um, and that's where we see a lot of patients come in, in my clinic, uh, radiation necrosis of the brain, which is pretty hairy stuff. But hyperbaric oxygen therapy is, is, is the, probably the most, uh, it's the most important, it's the most potent uh, therapy for, high, uh, for radiation injury. Uh, we can cure patients with radiation injury, and I don't, I don't say that lightly, okay? Um, but our usual rate of improvement is about somewhere between about 80 to 85% uh, in patients' uh, uh, radiation injury, whether it's in their brain, uh, whether it's in their jaw. One of the most common areas that we see in patients that got radiation to their jaw, something called osteoradiate necrosis of the jaw, which is pretty severe stuff. Uh, the bone starts eating away itself. It's, it's really unfortunate, but hyperbaric oxygen therapy combined with some other modalities is actually very, very effective. Breast cancer, uh, breast radiation, uh, patients that have non-healing wounds uh, related to that, we, we have significant improvements there. Patients with prostate cancer and radiation injury, uh, GYN cancers, uh, it just sort of runs the gamut. We have so much, so much, uh, so much success treating these patients. It's really quite dramatic. Um, some other types of, can, uh, of uh, um, hyperbaric um, oxygen therapy, FDA-approved indications include um, uh, flaps and grafts. If these were done, in, especially in radiated areas, um, those aren't healing well. You can get hyperbaric therapy, very effective. Uh, chronic infections that may not be going away. Uh, usually that, that have some bone infection as well related to it. Very bad stuff. Uh, hyperbaric oxygen therapy is very, very effective. Actually, combined with antibiotics, becomes even more potent, actually, in those particular circumstances. Um, now, um, to kind of go over to the, uh, the sort of the things that aren't covered by insurance, but are also very effective, um, the top two, I would say, would be traumatic brain injury uh, and stroke, Okay. Uh, TBI, uh, we see in this country and around the world, it's the number one cause of long-term disability in, in people less than 45 years old. So it's a pretty huge um, burden of disease. And hyperbaric oxygen therapy is, is so effective in these patients, okay? And now those studies are being done. And, and I'm hoping that soon that it really is covered by insurance. The studies are, are coming. They're out there. And patients are improving in my clinic and around the country. Stroke, same thing. It's being used in rehabilitation settings all over the country, all over the world, excuse me, not in this country. Um, these patients get significantly better with hyperbaric oxygen therapy. And I'm just going to list a whole bunch of other things, you know, because there's so many. Uh, reflex sympathetic dystrophy, otherwise known as complex regional pain syndrome, uh, cerebral palsy. A couple new studies have just been published on the improvements in motor function in these, in these uh, unfortunate patients. Um, also, um, you know, different types of headaches, cluster and migraine-type headaches, Lyme disease, other chronic infections, um, Parkinson's disease, Alzheimer's. Um, there was a recent study just published, Alzheimer's uh, or St. John's wort plus hyperbaric 
uh, increasing uh, cognitive uh, improvements in patients with Alzheimer's, uh, MS, um, really interesting stuff going on in MS, um, rheumatoid arthritis, um, decreasing inflammation mostly, um, ulcerative colitis, um, inflammatory, uh, ulcerative colitis, uh, Crohn's disease, which are types of inflammatory bowel disease. Some really interesting stuff going on in that, re- in that field, which I think is really great. Um, what other things? Um, what about burns? So yeah, so thermal burns. I, I didn't. I didn't mention those. Um, I, I kind of forgot to mention sort of the uh, the FDA approved indications that are just covered in hospitals. Um, basically, because if you come in with a third degree burn, you need to be in a hospital. You know? yeah, so yeah, yeah. I don't want you coming to my office with yeah. a third degree burn, please. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but um, right. So I should just mention briefly some of the things that are treated in the hospital for hyperbaric oxygen ther- with hyperbaric oxygen therapy: um, thermal burns, carbon monoxide poisoning, uh, necrotizing fasciitis, or um, or flesh-eating bacteria, um, uh, gangrene of the foot, um, acute sort of lack of blood flow to a limb, uh, you can get hyperbaric oxygen therapy. Those are conditions that are usually only treated, as I said, in the hospital. And they're very effectively treated, as I mentioned. That was sort of my initial, um, you know, initial experience with, experience with hyperbaric therapy. It was just amazing to see the difference after just a couple therapy sessions in those respects. Do they so, have HBOT in uh, most hospitals? So the answer is, I would say about 20% of hospitals have hyperbaric oxygen therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in San Francisco, there's one, there's two major hospitals in sort of like the, you know, I don't know what you call it. And I grew up in New York. It was called the metro area. In San Francisco, I don't know. It's sort of like the, the overlying area around San Francisco. There's one in downtown San Francisco. There's one about an hour. Um, and, you know, even in, so in New York City, for instance, there's, there's I think, two chambers at, at NYU, and that's it. Wow. You know, for 13 million people, it's kind of crazy, right? Yeah. So, you know, I think it's really super underutilized. And I think that the tide is changing and, and people are getting more sort of, you know, they're taking charge of their health and realizing that, you know, that sometimes doctors like me just don't know everything. And, and I think that's, you know, I don't think anybody like me should say that we do, you know. So, um, and, I, and I think that's coming, you know, becoming more sort of prominent, right? People are realizing I need to do my own research. Yeah. And I love it when patients come to me and say, hey, doc, what about this or what about that? And I go, well, maybe, maybe I do know about it. Maybe I don't. And then I learn more, you know. Yeah. So I think that's really important, you know. So um, anyway, so there's so many things that we can, uh, we can treat, we can help with. And a lot of that sort of, as I said, is sort of investigational. But we're seeing such extreme, extreme um, recoveries in these patients. It's really, really amazing stuff. So, Are there any contraindications with cancer? I know you mentioned that some clients that have cancer have some concerns about using it. Right. That's, that's really important. I get that question a lot about cancer. So uh, there's two ways that hyperbaric oxygen therapy sort of uh, with cancer. Uh, so the first question is, does hyperbaric oxygen therapy, you know, put you at higher risk for cancer or does it cause cancer? And the answer is emphatically no. Okay. Um, there's been several reviews that have been done over the years. The last one in 2012, <clears throat> hyperbaric oxygen therapy has no cancer promoting effects. Okay. Most people think, well, if you give oxygen to cancer, it's going to make it grow more. And the answer is absolutely not actually, because most cancer doesn't like oxygen. Actually cancer itself is sort of a hypoxic sort of thing. Um, and you give it oxygen. There's some indication, at least in some types of cancer, especially one called glioblastoma in the brain, um, hyperbaric oxygen therapy can actually be, uh, sort of a hindrance to its growth. Okay. And, and that sort of leads me to where hyperbaric oxygen therapy can sort of be um, helpful in, in sort of cancer management, okay? And there's a couple different ways. Hyperbaric oxygen therapy is a radiosensitizer, so it makes radiation therapy more effective. Mm. Um, so it's being used in some studies right now. 
in the middle of the country and also in the East Coast using hyperbaric oxygen therapy plus um, radiation to treat types of brain can- cancer called this specifically uh, this specific one called glioblastoma. Okay, um, it's also a chemo a chemosensitizer too, meaning that it also improves uh, chemotherapeutic uh, modalities because you're increasing blood flow. It's all about blood flow. Okay, yeah. you're in, you're incre- increasing blood flow to um, to a cancer or to a tissue that has cancer in it. You're going to improve the amount of therapeutic effect of that whatever that modality is. Okay, there are some alternative regimens um, that are happening right now. In fact, this guy, one of the guys uh, that presented at the Bulletproof Conference, his name is Dominic D'Agostino. He just did a recent study on hyperbaric oxygen therapy plus um, what's called the ketogenic diet. I think probably some of your listeners are, are familiar with that. Or just, you know, sort of like a high-fat, uh, moderate-protein, low, very low-carbohydrate diet um, plus hyperbaric oxygen therapy in mice. Um, these, guys, these mice had metastatic cancer. Their cancer burden, I think, decreased by like 85% when treated both with hyperbaric oxygen therapy um, and, um, and the ketogenic diet. It's a very powerful stuff, right? So there's some, it's all coming down the pipeline, right? But hyperbaric oxygen therapy and cancer, they go together uh, well. There's no worry about, um, you know, you having any sort of, you know, cancer-promoting effect. And I want to be okay. very clear okay. about that. Okay, great. So um, the other thing that, yeah, um, that you mentioned about side effects, right? I should sort of point out a couple other things. Um, so hyperbaric oxygen therapy is very, very safe. It's been around a long time. Um, it's one of the safest sort of medical modalities out there, I think, really. Um, the only major side effect that we have to worry about in patients is their ears, okay? Like a diver, right? If you go down too quickly or come up too quickly, what's going to happen, right? What happens to your ears? Oh, uh, yeah, they will start popping or they can't they can, they can burst. Yes, that's, and that's what happens in the chamber, same thing, right? So you can rupture your eardrums if you're not careful. But in the chambers, we have much more control than even diving about how quickly you go down, how quickly you come up. And it's very easy for us uh, to prevent those things from happening. Okay. So really, if, if you're at an experienced place uh, doing hyperbaric therapy, it shouldn't happen. Okay. Um, and I, you know, I recommend that you know, most patients, uh, actually all patients that are getting hyperbaric therapy, whether it's in a hard chamber and a soft chamber, which, or a soft chamber, which we'll talk about uh, the difference, um, they get it you know, a consultation with a physician first, okay? Very important to talk to somebody um, that's going to sort of guide their care. You know, I think that's very important. What your goals are, what your risks are. Um, there are some other things we worry about with hyperbaric therapy as far as side effects, um, but really the ears is the biggest one, right? Um, it does inc- increase insulin sensitivity. So if you're prone to low blood sugars or if you're a diabetic, you need to eat before you go into chambers. Um, if you have cataracts, it could make them worse. So we just have to know about those before, but it's not going to sort of, you know, magically make you cataracts. Only if yeah. you had those before, are they going to happen? Um, there's some sort of lower, uh, very much, much more rare side effects uh, that can happen. Um, oxygen seizures or, or lung toxicity, but these don't happen in somebody, um, you know, especially at sort of like the more shallow pressures, but that's why you need to have a doctor sort of just assess you and make sure that you don't have any reasons that why those would be a higher risk. Okay. Okay. So why you mentioned stem cells. How exactly does the HBOT increase stem cells? Because that's obviously going to be very important for tissue regeneration and healing of wounds, et cetera. Right. So, uh, you know, stem cells are where it's at, right? I mean, we all know that stem cells regenerate tissue. And hyperbaric oxygen therapy, what it does is it uses a, um, a mechanism called nitric oxide synthase, NO for short. Um, everybody's, a lot of people have heard of nitric oxide, right? 
Um, it's also sort of what laughing gas, I think, is sort of like one of the derivations of it. So we're not talking about laughing gas here, okay? We're talking about uh, a chemical in our bloodstream, on, in our blood cells, in the endothelium, or the sort of the, the tissue lining of our cells. And that produces uh, nitric oxide synthase, which then produces stem cells. These stem cells come from our bone marrow. They actually also are in our fat cells, actually. Um, and these cells migrate the tissue uh, where there's injury. And hyperbaric oxygen therapy makes this sort of migration and the proliferation or even the production of these cells more efficient. So uh, very powerful, especially with, you know, combined with a lot of other types of modalities that are coming out there. You talked about some, uh, so some magnetic stuff or some light therapy. Um, there's some really interesting, uh, you know, uh, research coming out on light therapy, interestingly. Red light is specifically being helpful for sort of stem cell sort of migration and, and tissue healing too. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Well, that's what I offer people with the near-infrared saunas. Oh, there you they, go. They get red light therapy with that as well. It's another benefit of them. <laughs> right. So and, stem cells are, are key, right? And there's um, there's some research being done now. Or I'm actually working on a um, an IRB or a study design with a couple colleagues about working on sort of you know stem cells plus hyperbaric oxygen therapy for traumatic brain injury, mm -hmm. which is pretty cool. So we're hoping to get that started at some point. So. Okay, so uh, what are the costs of doing a, a hyperbaric oxygen therapy session? So um, it depends on what kind of therapy session we're talking about, right? So um, there's um, soft chambers and there's hard chambers, okay? At my office in San Francisco, and, and I'm affiliated with an office in New York, we're mostly using hard chambers. These tend to be a little bit more expensive uh, because they go to deeper pressures. Um, so th for the hard chambers, we're talking about anywhere between $100 to about $350 per session, Okay. Um, and then there's different types of hard chambers. There's single chambers called monoplace chambers, and there's these sort of communal chambers or multi-place chambers. And those, where you, those are chambers that you usually see in hospitals where you can treat multiple patients all at the same time, okay? And those chambers tend to be a little bit less expensive. It's sort of like, you know, you have more patients being treated at the same time. There's less money per patient being treated, right? So um, the, it really ranges. And, so, and then, as I said, sometimes this is going to be covered by insurance. Sometimes it's not going to be covered. And depending on um, the, uh, the indication. So if it's not going to be covered by insurance, if it's sort of, you know, an, um, investigational indication for hyperbaric therapy, then we're talking about that. That's the price that you're going to be you're usually being charged hundred to 350. Okay. If it's FDA approved, it's covered by insurance. Uh, then we're looking at, um, somewhere anywhere between a thousand to $2,000 per session at a hospital. Okay. But most of that should be hypothetically covered by your insurance company. Um, however, if you did get treated at an office like myself, like my office, or like the office I'm affiliated with in New York or around the country, it's going to cost you less money, most likely out of pocket, because, you know, our insurance, you know, these days you have these huge deductibles you need to pay before uh, they start covering you and everything. So something to be aware of. I would recommend if you can get outpatient therapy for hyperbarics, you should get it in an outpatient environment, right? Okay. Because it will end up costing you less money in the long run, even if it's covered by insurance, right? Um, and it's probably nicer to get treated in a, a clinic, not in the hospital, if you can avoid yeah. it. So. And so how long are the sessions? Are they 10 minutes, 30 minutes? Right. So um, the session length, the shortest session length is usually about 60 minutes, okay? And the longest session length is usually about an hour and a half, okay? Oh, okay. And so this is, it sort of depends on what we're doing here, right? But the idea with hyperbaric oxygen therapy is it's not just one treatment session. It's usually a series of treatment sessions, okay? And these occur over um, a contiguous amount of time, meaning that oxygen therapy, hyperbaric therapy is a cumulative process. Taking our DNA and changing it takes time, 
Okay. And this occurs over sessions that are done in a row. So we're talking usually therapy sessions done sort of Monday through Friday with the weekends off. Depending on the, uh, the indication, it could be anywhere between two months to more of therapy. And so it's a pretty significant time, you know, it's a, it's a time, uh, it's definitely a time commitment, right? So, um, but for some indications, like, uh, like a, uh, for some things that are sort of acute, like acute injuries, um, you know, possibly some sort of things like, you know, some new study, new sort of investigation protocols like cognitive enhancement, you may not need as many therapy sessions in a row to get there, right? Um, but you do need some, okay? Now, what I, I think I forgot to mention, one of the indications for hyperbaric therapy is um, pre and post surgery. It's investigational, but what we can do is improve healing after surgery. Um, you get one therapy session before, and then you get four or five afterwards. And you can increase or basically decrease your healing time by about 50% under most circumstances. So, pretty significant healing oh, yeah. uh, time improvements. We get you know, patients on the field, we treat athletes all the time, you know. Um, so the protocol for these guys is usually less amount of time, right? So it's not as many therapy sessions, right? And, and also the protocols change depending on what kind of, um, you know, chamber we're using, if we're using a hard chamber or a soft chamber, right? So I think this is a good time for me to talk, if you're okay with it, about sort of hard and soft chambers a little bit. Yes, yes. Okay? All right. So hard chambers, um, I don't want to confuse everybody. So that's, you know, um, hard chambers are chambers that are made of sort of hard acrylic glass. They can go down to as low as about six ATA, right? Which is pretty far down. So, um, soft chambers are usually, uh, chambers that you can't have hundred percent oxygen in these chambers. Okay. It's just compressed air and they can go back, back about to about 1.3 to 1.5 atmospheres of pressure. And that's about 15 feet of seawater at the most. Okay. Um, so they treat hypothetically different things, right? The soft chambers aren't really approved to treat anything right now, except for um, acute mountain sickness, right? So if you go up high in elevation, come down, you know, you get terrible symptoms like you can get pulmonary edema or lung uh, fluid, or you can get headaches. You go into these chambers, these soft chambers, it goes away immediately, right? That's why I do not climb mountains. It's very oh, yeah, dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can train yourself, right? Like anything else. But, um but yeah, those symptoms can be severe at times, right? Depending on how fast you go up, what your you know what your conditioning is like. Um, so those chambers they can't go as deep, right? Um, and then they can't get 100% oxygen in them. Now I have to say, if anybody tells you that then these chambers can be you know converted to go deeper or they can have 100% oxygen in them, please run because um, it's just not safe to do if it's not being monitored in, in a in a in a medical setting. Okay, yeah. uh, because these chambers, the soft chambers, can be used at home, which is nice, right? Um, the hard chambers can't, they have to be used in sort of a medical setting, like where I practice, where you have your certified hyperbaric technicians, you have me supervising, you have PAs and MPs, you have trained staff. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, at the, uh, the Bulletproof conference the, the other, uh, guys, the booth next door to yours had the, had the, uh, the soft chambers, they had two there letting people check them out and try them out. They actually rent them or you can rent them in your home for, 700 to 2000 dollars a month so mm -hmm. a little bit pricey depending on the model that you want but i thought that was really interesting right so i think the real role for these soft chambers is probably to, probably we don't know for sure yet because it's still investigational for sort of long-term management of neurocognitive disorders okay and neurocognitive inflammation potentially and what i mean by that is sort of um, central nervous system processes like traumatic brain injury stroke ms and possibly cognitive enhancement too. We just don't know yet, but all indications kind of point that these indications don't need as much oxygen, right? So you don't need to be in a hundred percent oxygen environment, um, you know, over the long term to, to give yourself some benefit. 
The initial uh, hyperbaric treatment, though, needs to be, I think, at least in, in, in the chambers that are sort of hard acrylic glass, um, sort of more monitored while you're getting therapy, you know, for the sort of acute run of hyperbaric therapy, acute sort of session. And then after that, you know, sort of long-term management, maybe these chambers in the long run, right? And also with these chambers, these uh, soft chambers, you can't get down as far, right? The, the depth isn't as great, the pressure isn't as great. So, you know, wound healing, things outside of the central nervous system, like, you know, like a diabetic foot ulcer or, you know, sort of, you know, arthritis-like symptoms or, you know, even though it's sort of investigational for hyperbarics, you can't really get down to the pressure that you need to really decrease inflammation outside of the central nervous system, right? Okay. So I don't think that these chambers are going to be very helpful, helpful for things that require you decreasing inflammation outside of your brain and spinal cord, truthfully. Okay. Okay. Uh, but, I mean, I think that, you know, there, there is definitely going to be a role. We just haven't sort of, you know, completely figured it out yet. Yeah. Yeah. So say someone is trying to just uh, do some anti-aging or improve cognitive function or increase their chondrocytes. Um, how often should one do, how many sessions does one need to do to improve that? So um, anti-aging, right? So um, I, it's such a big category. But what I, what I usually say is that hyperbaric oxygen therapy is anti-aging, right? And, and the reason why I say that is that, you know, we're healing wounds no matter where they are, right? If they're in your brain, if, you know, if, if they're on your toe or your finger, you know, we're healing, we're helping the efficiency of that healing process, right? Um, I think as I sort of mentioned, right, so when we're talking about sort of brain health, right, as we get older, you know, if I put somebody in an MRI scanner at 50 years old, what it's going to start showing is what's called microvascular ischemic changes. What that really means is that your vessels start deteriorating, you know, and your mitochondria to start deteriorating as well, right? Because if the vessels start deteriorating, the cells around those vessels are going to deteriorate as well, right? So I think what we're doing really with hyperbaric oxygen therapy is regenerating that stuff, right? We're generating those vessels, uh, we're regenerating, you know, tissues that are injured and sort of injury comes with age, right? Um, now, for the people that have like you know no issues, right, which is very very few of us really, um, and this one sort of cognitive enhancement, um, I do think that hyperbaric oxygen therapy is going to play a role there. Now, um, there's no studies right now; it's still very investigational. But we do know in patients with stroke, with traumatic brain injury, even patients with diabetes, getting hyperbaric oxygen therapy with you know with normal pressures, you know, feel like their cognition gets better. And we're testing this in the TBI world, in the stroke world, using sort of something called an you know, neurocognitive testing or impact test is the most common. And we can see how their uh, cognitive abilities improve. And then if we look at their brain under a scanner, uh, we look at an area called the hippocampus. And the blood flow in the area of the hippocampus is just dramatic, even in patients that don't have injury there. So the idea would be, you know, the hippocampus is getting more blood flow. Why wouldn't it do that to regular people that don't have injury as well, right? Yeah. So what does the hippocampus do? It, it's basically an area of our brain that's extremely important in sort of making short-term memories into long-term memories. You know, it works with our long, with our sort of, you know, executive function as well. Um, so I do think there's a role. So for that kind of protocol, we don't really know yet, truthfully. Um, but the, I think the idea is that, you know, you need some sort of, you know, uh, protocol somewhere between 10 and 20 uh, uh, treatment sessions. Um, and then, you know, sort of long-term management, you know, um, in sort of like one of these sort of, you know, maybe these uh, portable chambers might be helpful, right? To sort of maintain that. Um, and I think that's where, you know, these, when we're talking about neurocognitive issues, we're talking about maintenance for a lot of these things because they're degenerative processes, right? You degenerate over time, even if, you know, you're not in the chamber or whatever, even if you're doing everything you can. So, um, that's where I think where we're talking about with sort of anti-aging and, 
you know, we're, we're healing wounds. That's what I'm doing in hyperbarics, right? And I think that's the protocols that are that are sort of coming out. And and it's not only just about hyperbarics, right? It's about you know dietary interventions. About you know, it's about all the things that you do as well, Wendy. So you know, it's it's a combined effort, right? And I think hyperbarics is just a very powerful adjunctive, most likely in that respect. So how often do you do those sessions? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm a busy guy. I wish I could do it more than I, than I do, you know, yeah. uh, but I've done, you know, protocols of therapy and, and uh, just, you know, because it's really important for somebody like myself to have an idea of what patients are going through, what they can expect. I've had my staff members go through some, you know, some investigation protocols too uh, for cognitive enhancement, actually, just to see if it works. Right. And it seems to, it really does, you know, I mean, this is all sort of anecdotal and I, you know, I can't sort of, you know, I can't recommend as a medical physician for you to do this because I just don't know, you know, but the idea is that there is probably a role, right. And, you know, I, I try to do it as much as I can, right. I don't have a home chamber. I don't have a portable one. Yeah. Maybe I can get these guys to give me a free one, but, yeah. uh, you know, because they're expensive, right. You know, yeah, they expensive. are. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think, you know, if you can maybe, you know, maybe, uh, I think, you know, maybe there are Groupons for them. I don't know. Yeah. There, Groupons there is. Them. I was going to say that my girlfriend actually bought a Groupon for uh, oh, no way. oxygen chambers. Yeah. <laughs> so then, you know, maybe you guys could share them and like, you know, you know, work on them as sort of like, you know, together. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go look for it again, see if it's still available and try it out. Yeah. You know, I could see like a way you could like rent them, you know, and then you have like a party or something. Yes, yeah. HBO two party. Yeah, you know, I, again, make sure that if you're going to do that, though, again, everybody needs to be evaluated by a physician before they go into a chamber, even if it's a soft chamber, please, yeah. okay? Yeah, well, you have to come down to the party and never see it. <laughs> oh, well. well, if I'm getting invited, then maybe yeah. I'll come check that sure. Well, you know, I have a question I like to ask all of my guests. Uh, sure. What do you think is the most pressing health issue in the world today? Mm. So, um, well, it depends on who you ask, right? Uh, for me, um, um, I wouldn't say Ebola, although that's that's on the list yeah. <laughs> uh, for a lot of uh, physicians and especially patients these, these days. Um, for me, it's the things that I treat, and I think the two the two of the most just you know uh, potent uh, yeah, just the ways that hyperbaric oxygen therapy can help the most in, in patients with traumatic brain injury and stroke. You know, TBI, you know, veterans coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan even Vietnam vets, you know, I, I see all these patients in my office. As I mentioned before, it's the number one cause of long-term disability in, 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 the, in this age group, like less than 45 years old. It's, these guys can't go to work. They're on all these crazy drugs uh, to prevent them from having suicidal thoughts or, you know, or, or drinking. They're alcoholics. They're, you know, if, uh, it's, it's really bad. You know, in the NFL, we're seeing domestic violence. We're seeing these guys die early. You know, CTE, it's all related. You know, and hyperbaric oxygen therapy is, is just so effective in these patients. I haven't seen a patient in my own personal practice that hasn't improved. Um, that's not to say that everybody will, but I mean, it's really just effective. It's really so amazing to watch, you know, and, and we document the stuff. We document them on, you know, cognitive scores. We document them on, document them on sort of acti activities of daily living scores. I mean, we do all this, we document it because we, we want to tell people, we want to show them, you know, the world that we can be helpful here, you know, and and this epidemic, and not even in just, you know, adult, you know, pro athletes, but we're talking about in kids now and, you know, young soccer players and, and these concussions that are happening and, you know, and these are causing long-term issues. And, you know, and I think that hyperbaric oxygen therapy is just going to be so important in just the healing process for these patients. You know, it already is on a small level, but just the, the burden of disease is just so high. Right. Um, and I really, and one of the reasons I'm so happy that we got to talk today, Wendy, is that I think everybody knows, I think almost everybody knows somebody that's had a traumatic brain injury, right? Um, if, if it's not a TBI, they know that somebody that's had a stroke, right? Um, strokes, number one cause all ages of long-term disability. 
And the studies are being done and they're, they're really, I mean, I think indisputable in, in many ways that these patients are getting better. And these are patients that have had stable symptoms for a while before they get hyperbaric therapy. And all of a sudden they're doing things that they couldn't do before. Now, is it always dramatic? I think it depends. It's in the eye of the beholder, right? If you couldn't, you know, toilet yourself and now you can, is that a big deal? I think that's a pretty big deal, right? Um, so again, we're not always talking about dramatic changes in sort of like the bigger sense, but in the smaller sense, if you can prevent somebody from having headaches every day, if you can get them, you know, start moving a couple of their fingers instead of none of their fingers, I mean, I think that's a pretty big deal. And that's, that's really where I see hyperbaric oxygen therapy as being sort of the wave of the future, right? It's sort of like the past because it's been around forever, but it's really the future because I think it's really going to be effective for these guys. I think where it's going to start, it's, it's going to be a grassroots thing. It's going to be patients demanding, you know, that they have access to this. And this is actually happening in some states, you know, in Oklahoma, for instance, there was just recently some legislation uh, passed uh, getting, trying to get hyperbaric oxygen therapy for, for veterans coming back from the wars, right? Mm. I have to turn these people away because I can't treat them because I just, you know, it's just too much money. You know, it's, they don't have enough money and I can't treat everybody for free. I wish I yeah. could, you know? So I'm always out there looking for, you know, for patients, you know, for patients. And, and also, uh, I'm always looking for patients. I'm always, I always want patients. <laughs> but I also, I need pay, people that have, you know, have the funds and have the wherewithal to say, I want to sponsor people. I want to help them, you know, and not just, you know, TBI patients, but, you know, stroke patients, patients with RSD, patients with, you know, with cerebral palsy. I mean, there's just a huge burden out there. And I know we can be helpful. It's just a matter of just getting them treated. So how specifically does uh, HBOT help RSD? I have a friend that has RSD. Mm -hmm. And uh, how specifically would it help a uh, regional pain syndrome like that? Sure. Yeah. So um, it, uh, um, what we're seeing is that, you know, RSD is basically a neurologic injury. Okay. What happens to the nerve itself, no matter where it is, if it, so uh, if, if it's in the arm and the leg or whatever, um, these patients have um, sort of a, a dysregulation of their nervous system. Okay. Um, and they have swelling, uh, they have inflammation. And what hyperbaric oxygen therapy is doing we think is it's decreasing the inflammation, it's decreasing the swelling, it's allowing that neuron to repair itself to recover, right? Um, and especially if the RSD was not uh, hasn't been present for a long period of time, um, there are some pretty significant improvements that I've had in patients, right? Um, they get dramatically better, and there's some studies to show this. This is the case. I mean, they're not gigantic studies and not thousands of patients, but. Um, really, I mean, the only place that I've had some trouble treating patients with RSD is if it's um, sort of a, a full body RSD. You know, if it's a, if it's a localized area of injury, I have a lot of uh, I have a lot of success. You know, um, but if it's sort of a generalized RSD, which are, are less common, but they're much harder to treat. And the other uh, the other thing is that, and this kind of kind of goes along with every indication for hyperbaric oxygen therapy. Truthfully, the the shorter time it's been since the time of injury the more effect and the more complete effect that we can get uh, in, uh, for the healing process, no, no matter what we're talking about. Mm. For the well, Dr. Sher, thank you so much for coming on. That was so good. And I hope the listeners out there start demanding your HBOT therapy. And Demand. Talk to your congressman or just talk to me. Yeah. Or talk to people that are around you. You know, you know Google. Google is great. It's a great tool for you, right? Yeah. Or, or whatever else. Yeah. So why don't you tell the listeners where they can find you and where you practice, et cetera? Sure. Yeah. So um, I um, the easiest way to get a hold of me is through my own personal website. It's called um, integrativehbot.com, integrativehbot.com. 
Um, and I have two major affiliations. I work in San Francisco. That's where I live at the San Francisco Institute for Hyperbaric Medicine. Um, I also do uh, consulting work and work on the management side of the hyperbaric oxygen facility, actually two facilities uh, in New York. That's where I'm from. And um, <clears throat> they're about to open up a center in New York City, which is great, too. Obviously, as I mentioned, there's, there's like no chambers in New York City and there's a huge need. And I'm really excited about that. Um, and um, so you can go to my own personal website. I also you also can follow me on Twitter at, at Dr. Sure, D-R-S-H-E-R-R. Um, or you can go to the websites uh, directly, but just go through my website and, you know, feel free to email me anytime. Um, I'm a pretty accessible guy and um, I'm here to help. Uh, even if you're not in my areas, I can help you find people to get you treated. I know patient, I know people doing this in LA, in uh, Colorado. I just talked to a really interesting guy yesterday, actually. Um, I'm always talking to people. I'm especially interested in, in, in hyperbaric guys that are doing this from an integrative point of view. And, and I can point you in those directions if, if needed. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. That was so good. Wendy, thanks so much for having me. And it really was a pleasure. And listeners, if you want to learn more about me, detoxification, how to heal your health conditions naturally, uh, you can find me on liveto110.com. And you can download the free Live to 110 by Wayne Less e-guide. I've got a few free e-books on the website if you want to sign up and get email updates. And please, please leave me a review on iTunes. That helps people uh, find my message, gets me higher up in those search engines so people can listen to the show. Google and search. Yes. Search, yeah. <laughs> you need to be on top of the Google search. Yes. Yeah. So, listeners, thank you so much for listening to the Live to 110 podcast. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.